Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood and I write science fiction and fantasy. I used to be in the Navy, spent 20 years doing submarine operations, among other cool things. Learned to fly planes, learned to scuba dive, had a bunch of kids, saw the world, and I started writing fiction. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing my stories with you in the hope that you'll have fun, and also that you'll like my stuff and come back for more and maybe help brother out with buying a book or two. So uh, sit back, relax, I'm going to tell you a story. Hey friends, it's Michael Kingswood coming back at you again with story time. It looks like I'm actually going to be on time this week for a change. Holy smokes. Anyway, um, been a pretty good deep time here at the Kingswood Abode. As I told you last week, did a whole bunch of traveling recently. Uh... Vegas for the writing conference, Philly for work, D.C. for uh, high school reunion, and this last week been back home here in uh, sunny San Diego and uh, just kind of doing doing my normal routine. Uh, but evaluating things coming out of that writing workshop, there's a whole lot of, this was just talking a whole lot about business and uh, there's a whole lot of stuff that I had thought about doing I really want to be able to do in the future once you know cash flow is is better um that's really kind of got me pumped to uh do what i need to do to get the cash flow to be better so consequently i've been uh just a nice simple plan uh, somebody said at the workshop the only bad day of writing is a day that you don't write so even if you write just a little it's uh, a good day so the goal here going forward i thought about this november now i thought about doing the national novel writing month you know 50k word thing in in a month and i've done that many times before um but i kind of decided not to just because frankly the last few months i've been very out of it with respect to writing just because of getting things squared away with the various uh chicaneries that have been going on in the real world and to get back into it, I just didn't want to put a super amount of stress on myself. So basically, the goal is, hey, okay, from here on out, going forward, every day, you're going to write something, even if it's only a couple hundred words. And just don't miss a day. And next thing you know, you get back to writing a whole lot. And boom, get everything done that I want to get done, and that'll be good. So that's the plan. should be fun. But that's not why you're listening to... This week, this week you're here to listen to the next part of the story, The Champion. Last we left off, uh, our hero Tim, a.k.a. Ace, was uh, hooked back up with his old childhood buddy Bartleby, who is uh, showing around the universe now, and they just step through the gate to find out what Bartleby's got to show him. So let's go see what he's got to say. Enjoy. The Champion, a fantasy novella, written by me, read by me, and again, I'm sorry, I am not a professional voice actor. Part 2 I followed and found myself floating in the void of space, unsupported by anything except Bartleby's hand, yet somehow comfortably warm and able to breathe. I got a queasy feeling in the pit of my stomach like during the drop from the top of a big hill at the start of a roller coaster. 
I remember hearing the continuous feeling of being in free fall sometimes made astronauts space sick, and all of a sudden I understood why. Then I found myself smirking and chuckling as I envisioned the great light of the light, or whatever the right title was, upchucking all over his teacher. I suspected Bartleby would not appreciate that. We drifted away from the door, and I glanced back over my shoulder. The doorframe also floated in the void, unattached to anything. It was a very incongruous sight, and I wondered where the rest of the building that housed the room was located. Then the door swung shut, apparently of its own accord, and it vanished completely. A surge of panic filled me, and I grasped at Bartleby's arm, frantically, like a man desperately trying to avoid falling off a cliff. <laughs> there was no way back! Be calm, young knight, Bartleby said, and patted my clutching hand with his. No harm will come to you while you remain with me. But I realized it sounded frantic as I felt, and I took a deep breath, trying to will my fear away. But the door's gone! Bartleby chuckled and swept his free hand out in front of us. There are always more doors, young knight. I looked forward and saw that he spoke the truth. As his hand moved, dozens of doors shimmered in and out of view all around us. Like the other, they all hung in space, mounted to nothing though I had no doubt they all led somewhere. Whoa, I observed. Never let it be said that I am not eloquent when I have to be. Bartleby smiled in what I assumed was amusement and looked away toward the reddish nebula. There was no feeling of acceleration, but we began moving very quickly. The nebula grew larger and larger in my vision, and as it did, its color faded and grew more dim until it vanished entirely. I blinked in confusion and looked around, wondering if perhaps we had missed it. Only when I looked behind did I see it again, shrinking quickly in our wake and regaining its color the farther we got away from it. We must have passed directly through it, but I could not understand why I had not noticed it when we did. The question dominated my thoughts for a time, and I did not realize we were continuing to speed up until I looked around to the left and right and saw no stars. Or rather, I saw many fewer stars. Where before there were literally billions in every direction, now there were only a few scattered here and there. What had happened? I looked up, down, left, right, and it was the same, just a handful of lights in the blackness of space. But wait, it was not completely black. Off to the right and below me, there was a hazy smudge of light, and another passed it. Further into distance, the very edge of perception, other dim smudges were scattered around the sky. And now that I knew what to look for, I soon saw hundreds, if not thousands of them. My confusion must have been showing, or maybe he just heard my thoughts again. Regardless why, Bartleby touched my shoulder with his free hand and said, Look back, young knight. I did, and was totally floored. I had seen deep space photographs from the Hubble. Who hasn't in this day and age? But it's one thing to see a picture of a galaxy from a telescope. It's another thing to see a galaxy with your own eyes. And that's what lay behind us, our galaxy in all its glory. My breath caught in my throat as I beheld it. The bold in the galactic center, complete with a thin beam of light shooting up and down from its core. The bright bar of stars passing through the center and connecting the major spiral arms. The arms themselves blue with the light of young stars, except where dust clouds eclipsed the light. Globular clusters in their orbits above and below the galactic plane. It was beautiful beyond words. The Hubble pictures did not even come close to doing it justice. Beside me, Bartleby said, the universe in balance is a lovely thing. I somehow found my voice. It is. Light balances dark. Stars are born, live, grow old, and die. Their light goes out, but in the explosions of their deaths, they seed the universe with the material to create new life and new light elsewhere. Black holes, such as the one at the center of your galaxy, he pointed toward the bulging bar in the center of the galaxy as he spoke, devour all matter they encounter and even light itself. Yet as they eat, they create some of the greatest lights in the observable universe. 
He gestured from the bowl to the lines of light shooting out from it. Some of them can outshine whole galaxies by themselves. I believe you call them quasars. I nodded slowly and recalled hearing about those things before in science class during one of our introduction to astronomy lectures. But I'd never thought about it in the way Bartleby described, never stopped to consider the balance of forces that drove it all. Looking at it that way, it all made sense. It's amazing, I said. Bartleby nodded. And delicate, even a small disruption in the balance, can have a disastrous effect. The galaxy began shrinking, and it took me a second to realize we were moving again. We traveled faster than I could begin to conceive. Part of my mind shrieked that we had to be traveling faster than the speed of light, and that was impossible, but impossible or not, we were apparently doing it. The galaxy receded into just a hazy smudge, then vanished altogether. On either side, we passed other galaxies, some larger than the Milky Way, some much smaller. All passed by in a heartbeat. We zoomed through a few, too, the stars streaming past, almost looking like the warp drive effect in Star Trek, but it only lasted a heartbeat before we passed through. Finally, we slowed again as another hazy smudge grew into a collection of stars in front of us. But this one was different. There was no structure like in the Milky Way, no blue of new star formation, only the dull red glow of old stars nearing their end. The galaxy, if you could even call it that, was disjointed, devoid of dust clouds. It had a center of mass. I could see where the glowing galactic bulge should have been, but in its center there was only a globe of blackness where no stars shined, and from what I could tell, no light passed through from beyond. What is this? Bartleby frowned. When he spoke, it was in a hushed voice and a tone of near-infinite sadness. Here, the dark was victorious. This was once a thriving galaxy similar to your own, flourishing with life and joy, glowing and singing in the night. We were not able to counter the dark's plans, and you see the result. He gestured toward the blackness at the center of the galaxy. Now the black hole is all that remains except for a few stars that slowly burn out the last of their lives, giving light and warmth to planets long dead. I shivered with sudden terror as I looked at the destruction before me, and I understood its enormity. The weight of what was happening seemed to settle onto me, and I gasped. Are you saying if I, if the champion does not succeed, the Milky Way would become like... I gestured toward the ruined galaxy. Like that? Bartleby gave a little start, then looked at me and shook his head. No, not all at once. He took a deep breath and turned us away from the grisly sight. What happened here is the result of many generations of failure and neglect. No, he patted my shoulder in a comforting manner. Our battles are fought in much smaller arenas. The consequences of victory or defeat can seem small, even inconsequential. But they are real, and the cost of failure can be larger than we at first believe. In this place, though we tried to help, the dark was victorious so often and for so long that the people gradually stopped fighting and surrendered to their ultimate destruction. I shuddered and forced down the urge to look back as we flew away. I see. Bartleby was silent for a few minutes as once again galaxies zoomed past us on all sides. Imperceptibly, we began to slow until, as we neared a shining blue, barred spiral galaxy similar to the Milky Way, we came to a complete stop. Bartleby waved his hand through the space in front of us, and a closed door shimmered into view. He withdrew his keychain from his pocket and inserted a key into the doorknob, then he paused and looked back at me. I brought you here so you could see the ultimate result if the dark is not balanced, so you can understand the choice you now have to make. He waited for a moment for the words to sink in, then he turned the key in the lock, pushed the door open, and stepped inside. I followed and found myself back in Bartleby's sitting room. The fire burned just as brightly and as merrily as it had before. The mugs were still on the table and still steaming. 
Even my scotch glass lay on its side on the floor in front of the fireplace. It was as though we had never left. Bartleby closed and locked the door behind me, then walked over to his rocking chair and sat down. Feeling more than a little uncertain about what was coming next, I took a moment to pick up my scotch glass before I took my own seat. We rocked for a time, the slow creaking of our chairs creating a soothing harmony with the crackling and popping from the fireplace. Gradually, the angst I felt from seeing the ruined galaxy lessened, moving to the back of my mind but not fading completely. Somehow, I knew it would never go away altogether. I was the first to break the silence. The others all saw what you just showed me? Bartleby shrugged. About half of them refused to see me at all. Only a third of the remainder agreed to join me here. Of those, a majority convinced themselves they were hallucinating and refused to go onward. He sighed and rubbed his temples with his fingertips. It is my fault. I should never have left your generation alone for so long. I lost so many potentials. His words drifted off into silence. Suddenly, I felt less bitter about being the last guy called up from the bench. If that many people had not even made it this far, well, I guess that actually made me special in a way. I managed to half-smile as I considered that. Bartleby chuckled, his good humor returning in time with my thoughts. Did you ever have any doubt, young knight? His eyes had a knowing twinkle as he turned to regard me. I got another nervous lump in my throat and made a quick shake of my head. Bartleby smiled faintly. It is time. Time? To decide. Time moves on the champion will be needed soon. I swallowed, forcing down another bout of nerves. What do I have to do? Bartleby returned his gaze to the fire and spoke softly. It is always different. The dark's machinations are never easy to spot. All I can tell you is that you will know it when you see it. That is not very encouraging. you got to be kidding me, that's it? Talk about a nebulous job description. Bartleby shrugged his shoulders. You will know the champion of dark when you see him from there. It will not be difficult to ascertain what he is planning. He sighed. Believe me, young knight, determining what is to be done is not the problem. Doing it is. You do realize there are over six billion people in the world, right? The odds of me ever meeting this guy you will meet, Bartleby interrupted. You'll be drawn to each other like moss to a flame. It is the nature of the conflict. There can be no victor if the champions never meet. Great. I thought you were the coach here. Is that all the advice you have for me? My task is to instruct and prepare the champion, not to guide his steps on the path. Bartleby inhaled deeply. If I knew what was going to happen and where, I, or my counterpart for the dark, could just intercede directly and shape things as I wish. He shivered as though that thought was profoundly disturbing to him. I and the others of my kind are servants. Nothing more. The universe is for you. For your people. Whatever becomes of it is for you to decide, not I. Bartleby's words made sense when I considered them. I suppose it all came down to the age-old question of why God allows evil in the world if he really is all-powerful. I remember asking that question myself. The answer, given by a gruff old priest who happened to be sitting next to me on the bus one day, free will, was not very satisfying. But looking at it again in light of Bartleby's words, it made a little bit more sense at least. I nodded slowly. What happens if I say no? Bartleby leaned back in his chair and slowly exhaled. Then there will be no champion of the light in this generation, and the dark will win by forfeit. It will fall to the next generation to resume the fight, when they are able to, and assuming they are willing. He paused for a moment before adding, But with each generation that goes by without a willing champion, the number of potentials will grow smaller until eventually there will be none left, and the dark will win completely. And then we become that galaxy you showed me. Eventually, yes. 
I blew out a long breath. Talk about crappy choices. Another question occurred to me. Don't the dark champions know what will happen in the end? Why do they do it? Bartleby quirked one eyebrow and snorted. I doubt very much they are allowed to see the end results of their efforts, young knight. As to why, they do it for the same reason wicked men always do what they do. Power, money, sex. Their hearts are greedy and they see only their own desires, not the effect their desires could have on others. He spread his hands in an almost helpless gesture. I nodded again. Yeah, there were always people who tried to get ahead by gaming the system or taking advantage of other people. I heard stories about them every day in the news. Why would people not behave the same way in the spiritual realm? We were silent for a minute. Bartleby apparently had nothing else to say. I knew it was my time to speak. Yes or no. It was as simple as that, but at the same time, it was not simple at all. If I said yes, what was I actually getting myself into? Did Bartleby really intend me to go running around and fighting dark champions in the street like some sort of demented superhero wannabe? I almost refused because of how ridiculous that would be, let alone how dangerous. But then again, he had said the arena of conflict was small, almost inconsequential. Looking at it in that light, the task did not seem like such a big deal at all. <laughs> if only there was some way of knowing. Then the image of the ruined galaxy came back into the forefront of my mind, and I realized it really didn't matter. Everyone else had said no. There was just me against that. A small voice in my head whispered that it would not happen just because I said no. Let the next group of guys handle it. I snarled at myself and forced that voice down. A real man does not shove responsibility on someone else because he's afraid it might be too big. He bucks up, picks up his load, and does the best he can with it. Or at least, that's what I told myself as I stood up and turned to face Bartleby. Okay, I'll do it. Bartleby nodded and stood as well. Stepping over to me, he reached out and placed his hands on my shoulders. I'm very glad to hear that. A broad smile crossed his face and his eyes seemed to shine in the firelight. Then he dipped his hand into his other pocket. The object he withdrew flashed golden in the firelight. As he held it up before my face, I saw it was a flat golden disc hanging from a gold chain. The disc rotated around its clasp, and my breath caught in my throat. The front of the disc was inlaid in some sort of stone that caught the firelight and refracted it into a multitude of colors. The closest thing I could think to compare it to was an opal, but the shimmering colors in this stone put the best opals to shame. The stone was all of one piece and cut into the shape of a starburst, and it was stunning. Bartleby lifted the chain over my head, saying, This is the emblem of the light. You must never let it leave your possession. While you wear it, it will give you the ability to sense the dark's powers and give you a measure of protection from them. I bent my head and he draped the emblem around my neck. As the disc came to rest on my chest, I felt warmth and a sense of well-being and strength emanate from it into me. My skin tingled and I felt as though I could run a marathon at an Olympic pace. My mouth dropped open in awe, but I could not find any words to reply to what Bartleby said. He apparently was used to this reaction as he smiled kindly and said, You'll become used to it. Then he raised his hands again and placed his palms on my temples. He closed his eyes and his lips moved as though he was chanting something, but no noise reached my ears. A flash of light engulfed my vision, and I felt myself falling limply from his grasp. Faintly, I heard him say, Good luck, Sir Knight. May you be victorious. Then, it all went black. Okay, that seems like a good place to stop. A little bit shorter than last week, but uh, things start to get hot and heavy from here, and Seems like a good place to pause and take a breath and consider. So yeah, um, pretty uh, pretty big situation that Tim's gotten himself into. And if you don't mind me saying so, seems kind of cool.
Well, of course I think so. I wrote the thing. Um, hopefully you guys think it's kind of neat too, and you'll come back for next week for more. Uh, please let me know what you think. I've got uh, ways to contact me on you can put podcast uh, comments, YouTube comments, BitChute comments, Steamate comments. Uh, you can go and uh, come by the website and drop an email. And of course, you know, there's Facebook page, which still exists. <laughs> I keep thinking I'm going to take it down, but I still don't because yeah, I guess it is useful, even though I hate Facebook with the passion of thousand sons but eh, you know it is what it is i'm almost never on there though so if you try to talk to me there it might be a while before i get back to you because of you know, the fact that i don't like being there but hey that's all good um but yeah hey uh if you liked it please uh let me know tell all your friends like subscribe share this all you want and of course you can go buy the book you can buy it from me directly buy it from amazon gobo barnes noble ibooks you name it uh, you can find it pretty much anywhere you can get a book and uh, just come back next week we'll tell the next little part of it um, yeah that's all I got for this one hope you enjoyed it I'll talk to you next time until then don't do anything I wouldn't do thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood you can find me online at michaelkingswood.com I'm also on Facebook and Twitter my web store is ssnstorytelling.com where you can find all my books in your favorite formats. Purchasing through the web store nets me the most profit, but if you prefer, I'm also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and all the other usual e-tailers. If you want to learn about new releases, sign up for my mailing list through the contact form at my website. I guarantee not to spam you, only send an email when I have some news to share. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyright of Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music, copyright Gene Paul Zoggy, licensed through stockmusic.net, all rights reserved. <laughs>